welcome to the First Baptist Church Fairview Podcast. Here's Pastor Duane. Isaiah chapter 9. I begin a brand new sermon series this morning entitled Refocus. Refocus Christmas. And I'd like to begin in Isaiah 9. Because I think it's really important that we understand the why behind Christmas. We're definitely, I feel like, in the most wonderful time of the year. And so as you turn to Isaiah 9, we're going to reflect on the need for Christmas. You know, we know the person of Christmas is not um, anyone other than Jesus Christ. He's the reason, the purpose. He is the Savior of the world. And, and I can dive right into that, just celebrating Christ. But I want you to understand how so many people in the Old Testament walked in utter darkness and devastation. And as you understand the text in its context, you will then understand how many of you, if, you, if you're honest, if you step back and reflect on it, maybe you're walking in darkness this morning. And you need the light of Christ in your life uh, to save you. So Isaiah 9, let me just read uh, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Definitely this passage is prophetic. It's prophetic in that it's pointing us to the promise of a deliverer, a hero, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. The chosen one, the one that the Old Testament prophesied about, that he would come to deliver his people. So here's the deal, though. If we don't kind of focus our attention on the main thing, Jesus Christ, the person of Christmas, then we're going to get wrapped up in all the the busyness that we all could be about this time of the year. And though it, it can be good to be busy, it can be good with a, with a schedule that you're spending time with family and you've got Christmas shopping and all the things that we do, don't lose sight of the purpose. So let's step back and kind of refocus our attention. When the Alaskan pipeline was being built, there were many Texans who traveled down to work on that. The Texans could only work a few hours actually in the frigid weather, yet the Eskimos, check it out, the Eskimos, the native Alaskans could work indefinitely in the cold. Why is that? They decided to do a study to find out why the Eskimos can, can work like 8, 10, 12 hours a day in this frigid weather. And after much study, they found, um, they concluded with some findings. You know, it, the, the difference, it was actually this, and I quote, the difference was the Eskimos, and one even quote is quoted by saying, he knows it was cold, but there was a job to be done. It was frigid, it was cold, but he had laser focus, not on the weather, but on the job. It's all about our focus. In other words, the focus was not was on the job and obtaining results rather than all the weather and all the coldness around them. And so they finished the job. You and I this Christmas season will focus on one of two things. We'll either focus on how bad things are, our culture, 
materialism, you name it. We can focus on all of that, trials, temptations, or we can focus on Christ. And that's where it is. That's, that's what God would have us focus on, his son. And so it's time to refocus our focus on Christ. Maybe you've not focused on your need for even a savior or what you need to be saved from. We talk a lot and we preach about be saved, come to Christ, you know. But do you understand the why? Do you understand why you need to be saved? And so if you're a seeker this morning, you're just checking things out. You're, you're contemplating life after death. You're thinking about your life, why you're here, what's the point of everything that's going on. Just consider this message. And so there was a Christmas shopper survey done. And the question, what do you need to be saved from? You, wanna, you want me to give you the top like eight reasons? And so just a random shopper survey. What do you need to be saved from? From the cost of gas. Many people say it. From worry. And some of you, you can connect and relate quickly to some of these answers. But worry from the cost of gas, from bitterness, from the past, from bad habits. One individual said, from myself. But so many people in this survey totally missed it. They missed sin. They missed um, a defiant human nature that is in rebellion against holy, sovereign God. When people think of spiritual salvation, they tend to have a very narrow concept. Rather, we need to understand and focus on the fact that Jesus is the light of the world and he's able to shine this light and save you not just from something, but for someone. We are saved not just from our sin. We are saved to serve Jesus. Amen? We're saved to share his gospel. And so this Old Testament text, just go back there, 1 through 7, talks at length about this, this path of darkness. Look at verse 3. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. The rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. Every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult. And cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire for a child will be born to us a son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It's all about our focus this morning. I mean, Satan would love for us to focus on all the bad. Satan would love to focus on all the vices, all the addictions, all the struggles, right? He wants you to focus on everything that's going on in your life. And some of you, if you're honest, you've got real stuff going on as you hear me preach. But I want to tell you this, Jesus can deliver you. He can save. He can give you a purpose. 
And if you're walking in this darkness, you have no light of Christ in your life, he can shine this light. And so in in Isaiah 9, what is the context? I mean, what is going on in the broader context? It was like 722 when Israel fell. I mean, Israel was devastated internally, externally. People lost their lives. I mean, the whole land was devastated. Yet in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of pain and agony and loss, all because of sin, church, all because of rebellion, all because of some people, people of God, evil kings thought they could do life their own way apart from the Lord. He gave so many verses, so many promises on obeying the Lord and trusting him and walking in his light and his ways. But you've got individuals like Ahaz and other people who said, forget it. You know, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to do things my way. So judgment came and judgment fell and Israel was destroyed, struck down. But in the midst of all of this pain, God gave a promise. God said, there will be one to come. There will be light. There will be deliverance. There will be salvation. The Messiah will be born. I will come down in the flesh and dwell among my people and give my life because you can't do it because of your sinfulness. So you've got this good news um, spoken of through the prophets like Isaiah. Ahaz was, this, was the godless 20-something-year-old king of Judah who faced a grave national crisis. Judah was uh, threatened in two ways. Internally, a, a moral spiritual rot was corrupting God's people. Externally, the impending attack from multiple enemy armies was, was creating widespread panic. The Assyrian empire would overwhelm God's people and God allowed it to happen. But God called out individuals. God called out prophets like Isaiah and Isaiah prophesied that yes, there's hopelessness and you've got a lot going on in your life and you're walking in this darkness, but light will come. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, these verses were recorded. And it's almost like as you read them, God gave these people over. God gave his own people over to do what they really wanted to do. Yet he would provide a savior later. Chapter 8 of Isaiah's prophecy details how this happened. The shadows of a growing despair and deep gloom descended on Judah. Ahaz and the majority of people of Judah had departed from God. They left God, so God gave them over. That sounds like Romans 1 language. God gave his people over. And as it became increasingly apparent that the godless plans of Ahaz... And here's the thing, God was seeking to get his attention. God was giving him promise after promise, yet he totally rebelled like we do. We know what we ought to do, right? We know we ought to live for the Lord and have faith and trust, but so many times we cave and we walk a path we shouldn't walk. And these people, they were walking a path in utter darkness. So King Ahaz even burned his son as an offering to the despicable false gods of the Canaanites in 2 Kings 16. This was the time of moral 
darkness, a time of frustration, a time of anger and hopelessness under the judgment of God. Here's the question of the hour. What did God show Isaiah about the future in spite of darkness and hopelessness? That's the question. What did God reveal to him? And what did Isaiah proclaim? Well, I think Isaiah caught a depiction of the peril of the people. And so you've got the peril of the people. They were in danger. Why? Because they're walking in utter darkness. In verse 1 and following, Isaiah ended in the darkness and gloom of a corrupt and wicked people who were seeking occult wisdom of all places from mediums and rejecting the wisdom of God. They were looking in all the wrong places. They were looking at evil. People were roaming the earth in, anger, in angry despair, and they were cursing God. And scripture says this in your text today, the people walked in darkness. Now, let not, let's not just bash those people. Some of you, you're walking in utter darkness, hopeless with no purpose. Praise the Lord, when God saves us, it's not just fire insurance. God saves us for a pur purpose and person. His name is Jesus, church. We, we were saved to serve. We're to live in the light. We're to walk in the light. We are to reflect the image of God. We are image bearers. We reflect his light because he's on the inside. These people were living in gloom in verse one. They were living in despair. They were living in oppression. They were walking in darkness 700 years before Christ came. Isaiah shared what Christmas is all about. That sounds like Charlie Brown, right? This is what Christmas is all about. But Isaiah shared what Christmas is all about. It's about light exposing darkness. It's about light exposing the hidden things in our lives. When you get close to the light, you see. We need focus of this. Scholars say this text, Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, is the cornerstone and centerpiece of all prophetic prophecy. We have people today walking in gloom and darkness. There are plenty of people so focused on things that they cannot be satisfied and they will not be satisfied. What about you? Are you satisfied when all is lost? Are you satisfied when things don't turn out right? Are you still satisfied with the joy of the Lord and hope because we serve a risen Savior? All, all of these verses pointing to the Messiah who would do this for us. Yet Isaiah depicted this peril of the people walking in darkness. He saw this. He prophesied about it that you're walking this way, but you will eventually walk in light. God will save a remnant of people. Secondly, Isaiah saw the promise of the Savior. The people who walk in this darkness, look again, will see a great light. The people, this light in darkness, this light in darkness. The people walking in darkness have seen this great light. And Jesus himself said what? I am the light of the world. There, it may, the culture may be dark and some people may be dark and some people could be careless and some people would rather do anything than say Merry Christmas and it's all about Jesus. You be different because Jesus is the light of the world. This remnant I'm talking about 
will be saved and walk in light. You've got a light in the darkness and you've got a joy of the people. The nation will multiply. This remnant in God's care grows and grows until we see in Revelation that it's a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, every tribe, every people group, and every language crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb, the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. That is good news. Refocus your attention on the reason for this season. There will be joy. The nation will multiply. There will be gladness. The sound of victory can be heard as people anticipate the Messiah, the Son of God. There will be rejoicing, Isaiah says. These verses speak of a battle that has been won. People have been at war and finally taste this joy of sweet and utter victory. The death and resurrection of Jesus has defeated Satan's seemingly unbreakable yoke of sin and death. Satan's dark kingdom has been routed. Can I get an amen? Because of Jesus' death, burial, and his resurrection from the grave. Isaiah speaks of this grand victory in light of the day of Midian. Remember, Gideon defeated the Midianites through God's powerful intervention. He may not have had 20,000 soldiers, but with God, all things are possible. And you understand that in that story. It was a grand victory. Folks, we have victory. We don't fight for it. We fight from it. And so Isaiah is, is causing the people to look forward, to look ahead. And then what else does Isaiah see? Isaiah sees this picture of the powerful Savior, the power of the Savior. I love these verses. A child will be born to us, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is majestic in who he is. He's a wonderful counselor. He gives wonderful counsel and unfailing wisdom. We live in the day of the counselor, yet Christ is the ultimate counselor, right? He is the one we turn to. I mean, God gives men ability, but the ultimate counselor is who? Say his name. He's Jesus. He gives us wisdom and discernment. He directs our path. He is a wise, wonderful counselor. He is mighty God, church. He is a worthy defender who protects me and helps me through conflict. Hebrews 2.10 says, he is the captain of my salvation. Aren't you glad that Jesus is the captain? Good works, can't do it. Your good deeds, mission trips, all the things that we can be about, and they're good things, but Jesus is the captain of salvation. You can't save yourself. Refocus Christmas and that Jesus came to die, to deliver you, to change the want-tos, to give you a reason to keep living. And it's to share his name. Hebrews 2.10, it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. 
Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He is our mighty God. He is everlasting father. He is the father of eternity. He is our eternal father. Revelation 1 says he is alpha and omega. He is a good, good father, a perfect father. Prince of peace. He gives us peace with God. And then he gives us the peace of God. Some of you are at war with God. Some of you, if you're honest, you've been fighting him for years. Some of you have your religion, and if we get off track, you're all messed up. Some of you on Sundays, if it's not boom, 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 it's, you know, you're in such a, a rat race. It's, you're in such a rut, you know, and, and, and you know without a doubt possibly that you don't have that relationship that causes you not just to worship on Sunday and do the things that we do, but what about Monday? What about Saturday night? How how does Christ, this light that Isaiah is prophesying about, change us on a Saturday, on a Monday, when everything goes wrong? It should. So this peace with God, you can only have that when you surrender and say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I'm walking in gloom and my own darkness. I'm doing life my own way and I'm giving up and I'm going to yield to you. Save me. I don't want to focus on all this stuff. Uh, Satan is sidetracking me. Satan's so good at sidetracking us from the main thing. So refocus your attention. Anybody like donuts in the house? I don't eat a lot of them. And I don't eat a lot of chocolate. And people closest to me know that. Staff knows that. I mean, they're aware. But if it's around, I'll slip and get some, you know. Um, If I go in like a chocolate store. I mean, if I gaze at it long enough, probably I'm going to ask for what? A sample. (laughs) Can I have a sample? Donuts. You know, you stay in there long enough, they start looking really good. You focus your attention, probably, not every time, but probably, you're probably going to have a donut, right? It's all about your focus. It's all about your focus. I urge us all to focus on Christ, to focus on our walk. And if we do that, we draw that circle and say, Lord, I've missed it. My attitude, I'm bitter. I'm focused on all this other stuff that, you know, it's not going to help eternity at all. So I need my priorities back. And my priorities should be the worship of God, number one. It should be the worship of God. It should be your spouse, your family. It should be the church ministry. And you go on. But when we start putting our stuff and our people at number one, well, this is number one, you're committing idolatry. Do you realize that? God says, I need to be first place. Keep Christ first this Christmas. Focus your attention when so many things and so many people, so many programs are going to pull at you and try you. And hey, some of you, listen, I've done this long enough. We're not all perfect, are we? Some of you, you know you're struggling, but you wear your face Sunday after Sunday and you look so good. Now y'all look good, all right? But you know what I'm talking about. Deep down, you're just, you're just putting on a mask when you're walking in utter gloom. I can't promise you an easy road as we prepare for invitation. I can't promise you if you surrender to Christ and you realize you're walking in darkness, that you need this savior that Isaiah is depicting here. I can't promise you you're going to be cancer free. I can't promise you. 
you're not going to struggle some days. I can't promise you your family's going to be so fine. I can't promise you that you're going to get that raise and everything, those degrees, everything's going to pan out. Actually, I have no idea, but I know this. I know who holds my tomorrow. And I know who holds me right now. His name is Jesus. And I wouldn't preach it and tell you unless I believed it. And I wouldn't proclaim it to say, you know, he is the greatest indescribable gift, as Paul put it. Would you receive him this Christmas? Refocus on the reason, the person. I've got staff scattered around in the sanctuary. We've got deacon body. We'd love to minister to you. If you need the Lord, you need a relationship. What is hindering you from coming to him? If you need us to minister and pray with you, we will. We will. If you need to join our church, we'd love to have you. God is building quite a church here. Not because I'm here, but because of who he is. Would you pray with me? Father, you are the reason for our existence. You made us in your image. And Father, we live in a fallen world where there is pain, the reality of separation and darkness overwhelms us most days. Yet you are light in the midst of darkness. And Father, as those people in the Old Testament lived their lives in many days, gloom and despair, you gave a promise. And Father, those prophets rose up and they preached and they proclaimed the year of the Lord. And Father, you came. You came not like many thought you would come. You came very lowly, very humbly. And Father, you came to die for us. Lord, may we make this Christmas personal. And that you came not just to save us from sin, you came to give us a complete purpose for our existence. And so, Father, our purpose is to worship you, to make you known, to reflect your light. God, I pray that would happen this moment for so many people. I pray you'd save the lost. I pray you'd call out the save. Lord, I pray you'd bring out prayer warriors. Lord, I pray you'd sweep through this place with your power from your Holy Spirit. And God, would you do that now? In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, let's stand together. We would like to help you take your next steps spiritually. Visit our website, fbcfairview.org, to learn more about First Baptist Church Fairview. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.